Hey y'all, happy Friday. Welcome back to the Insights Podcast. I'm your host Sienna, but you can call me C, Sienna, Mamacita, whatever floats your boat. I am just a 20-something year old girl taking you through the insights of my life and using this place as a personal journal through an autobiographical lens where we can all discuss and dive into the important things in my life and society and hopefully some things that you can resonate with. Um, I say important and that's kind of ironic, so maybe I should say prevalent. Also, this is going to be a one-hit wonder, a no-edit zone, so bear with me for all of my ad-libs and gibberish and all of the things that you may hear. But I asked y'all if you wanted a 20 to 25 minute episode or if you wanted a 35 minute plus episode. And sincerely to my surprise, y'all wanted a 35 minute plus. So I am sitting down with you on this Friday morning and we are just going to chat away about some of the things that have been on my Instagram, the polls that I've posted, my thoughts and revealing y'all's responses, right? So Uh, Let's just kick it off. The first thing that I posted or that I screenshotted and wanted to discuss was this quote that says, I don't care about money. I care about the freedom, opportunities, and options that come from having money. And I asked y'all, does freedom come from money? 20 of you said yes, and six of you said no. I personally think Money is a resource, right, that precludes freedom, but true freedom is a mindset. And I know a lot of people who have money to buy a ticket and book a hostel for a month somewhere in the world right now, but they won't go because they've never traveled alone or they don't know the language or they don't want to deal with the hassle of working from abroad and or just the opportunities that are available to them are not the opportunities that they want to pursue. And so while money absolutely grants access to a different level of opportunities, there is an abundance already within your reach and your network if you truly tap into it. Also, I naturally think about expats who live on islands or work at a bar or, you know, just something and they make just enough to live the life that they want. I would also say they're living a free life in the sense that they're not making a large sum of money. They're not living the most glamorous or luxurious life, but because of their mindset about how they use money and what they value, I think they're free from a lot of stress. And I think the simpler you make your life, the freer you feel. But I'm going to touch on a lot today. So let me know your thoughts on does freedom come from money? I think You cannot be free without money, but freedom doesn't come from money. I think it's like a component, but I don't think it's the definitive. This is, I don't know. I thought I had articulated thoughts on this, but now I'm kind of going back and forth. So let me know your thoughts and maybe we can have a discussion about it. Um, Moving on to a totally different topic, the next question that was randomly on my mind, so I asked y'all was, do you ever sleep naked? I asked you to answer yes or no, and then I asked you to rate it using that like little swipey feature that you all know what I'm talking about. So 40 of y'all said yes, 
40 people sleep in their birthday suit. And 20 of y'all said, nope, not for me. I'm okay. And y'all love it. The people who did it, like that average rating was all the way at the end. Y'all really love sleeping in the nude. And this is a random one, but I was just curious because in theory, it seems liberating. But personally, I like to wear shorts or something just to feel contained. I don't know if that makes sense to y'all. Does anyone else understand what I'm saying? Because I hate feeling restricted, but I don't want to be completely naked. Also, women or vagina owners, it is a great idea to sleep commando if you don't already, um, because it's just really good for your vaginal health and it helps balance pH and can prevent ingrowns and all that jazz. So food for thought. But if you're like me and don't want to sleep completely naked, then just go commando and it will help you out, hopefully. Um, (laughs) That's like a random health PSA, I guess. But the next post said you attract what you're ready for and you have to vote if you agree or think there's more to it. 12 of y'all agree as is. You think you attract what you're ready for. 25 of y'all think there's more to it. I am in the majority here because I think opportunity is everywhere, but you may not be prepared to take advantage of it. For example, you can pray and ask and wish for a certain job all day long, but you have to be qualified when that opportunity comes. And so you may very well attract an opportunity you are underprepared for. And I keep using the word prepared because I think preparation is key. You may be mentally ready for a new experience. You may be longing and desiring for that. But if you're not prepared, you will not be able to fully embrace the next experience. There's a saying that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And I think that truly is at the core of my thought process on this and what it means to attract what you're ready for, because you can be surrounded by an abundance of opportunity, but if you're not prepared for it, you may not even register it as an opportunity, but that doesn't mean it isn't there or it wasn't there. So do you attract what you're ready for? Sometimes hopefully, but you always attract what you need. And I think even a missed opportunity is a lesson in preparation. I feel like there's so much to be said about all of these, but I am not the sole knowledge holder, right? And so if you have opinions on this, definitely let me know, hit me up. And if there's any of these that you want me to go back on and do a longer episode on, maybe bring some people on to discuss, definitely let your girl know. All right, so the next thing that we're going to be talking about is actually this like poem excerpt writing from Jeanette Winterston, I think is how you say her name, uh, that reads, while I can't have you, I long for you. I am the kind of person who would miss a train or a plane to meet you for coffee. I'd take a taxi across town to see you for 10 minutes. I'd wait outside all night if I thought you would open the door in the morning. If you call me and say, will you? My answer is yes before your sentence is out. I spin worlds where we could be together. I dream you. And I asked y'all if you think this is romantic or unhealthy. 10 of y'all said romantic. 25 of y'all said unhealthy, which I honestly thought was interesting. I think it's romantic for a variety of reasons. One, the person admits that they can't have them and that this is in their dreams, right? And so I personally don't think wanting someone in your life 
to the point of missing trains or prioritizing their presence is unhealthy. Two, y'all mean to tell me that you wouldn't feel special if someone travels a couple of hours to see you? Shoot, I'm flattered if my friends from Brooklyn come to the city. Like, I'm flattered if anyone comes out to Long Island. And I, it just doesn't read as unhealthy obsession, right? It reads as romance, it's effort. Personally, if anyone did any of these things for me, spaced out, I'd be flattered. I think it's unhealthy if you did all of these in succession, right? You missed a plane, then waited outside, then caught a taxi, then this, then that. Like, then it's communicating an unhealthy balance of where I fall on your priority list. But if someone missed a plane to spend an extra day or week with me on vacation or waited at my doorstep all night knowing I'd come back in the morning. I think it's romantic. Of course, there are boundaries to be considered, right? And so you don't want to cross boundaries. And I I don't know, y'all. I just think that if there are no boundaries in place that are being crossed and all of this is contextual, right? Everything in life is contextual. But I think if someone does this after you tell them you don't want them in your life, then it's different. But I'm such a hopeful romantic and I love big romantic gestures. So as the post stands, I think of dreaming a world where you and this person can be together. I don't see it as unhealthy. I think it's romantic and I can acknowledge that in certain contexts, this absolutely can be unhealthy behavior if it's acted upon or if it's in direct contrast to a dynamic that's already been established. But I think we're all guilty of like dreaming of people, dreaming of the potential of someone and the potential of like the romanticized version of what your bond or union could be. And so you know, I I think it's effort, honestly. Maybe that's what it is. I'm not really going by the letter of the law, but more so the spirit of like, I would make an immense amount. I would, you make effort? What do you do? You show effort? I would invest <laughs> an immense amount of effort into you, um, into the potential of fostering something with you. And I think that is romantic. So again, let me know. Uh, the next one that I posted was a poll asking if you could go anywhere in the world right now, would you go to a person, Europe, a beach, or home? And I know these might seem random, but sincerely, these are kind of the four places that I'm always bouncing between. There is always at least one person that I'm really missing at any given point. Europe is just beautiful and there's so many places that I've yet to explore there, but also just like abroad in general. A beach because I'm a Pisces and I love water or home because home has always been an elusive concept, but this is not therapy. Uh, but I know that a lot of people just miss home and miss the comfort of a place where they feel seen and where their family is. And so, yeah, I pose those four and 10 of y'all said you are out to the beach, right? Which I love. I love that for you. Four people said, I'm out to Europe. Let's catch a flight. Although with COVID, who knows? Um, two people said, take me home, which I think is just so like wholesome. And one person said they are going to a person. 
So there's no opinion here, so to speak. I'm just sharing, I guess, my thoughts and where I would go for each. So I would love to go to the beach. I'm actually hoping to go to California in the next couple months to visit my friends because Cali is beautiful. And anytime I can visit anywhere with a friend, I'm down. Um, If I can go to Timbuktu, and I have free accommodations because my friend lives there, you will catch me in Timbuktu. Why not leverage your network? It just doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, yeah, so I will probably be going to Cali, and you know me. If I'm at Cali, I'm at the beach. Um, If not, Europe. It's probably England or Scotland because I have people I can stay with. Shout out to my girl Tanya. Let's go salsa dancing, mama. Like, I just... (laughs) I miss it. I miss you. It's fine. Um, I work from home, so I'm home all the time, but I understand the longing for home, like I said before, right? The sense of comfort that it brings. And so I hope for you two folks and maybe people who didn't vote in the poll, but when they heard these options now, they were like, yeah, I would go home. I hope for all of y'all that you get to go home. And for that one person who said they would go to a person, I am so sorry that you're away from them right now, but that is a beautiful sentiment and I hope you let them know how much you care for them. This goes back to like the hopeful romantic in me. Also reminder that romance is not limited to like romance. Romance is not limited to, you know, sexual partnerships or like life partners in that sense, right? Um, Romance is not limited to that realm. You can be romantic with a platonic friend or things of that nature. But anyway, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment and gesture. If someone were to tell me if I could go anywhere, I would go to you. I think that's just so heartwarming. And I just... I think it's a beautiful sentiment, especially because you didn't say it. I think you should say it to the person. But I think what made it heartwarming for me to receive is like you voted this in a poll with that person not knowing. Right. So like in your heart of hearts, if you could go anywhere right now, I feel like the fact that you voted a person communicates a level of sincerity in that. But I don't know. Is that just not so cute? All right, I'm moving on because I will be like blubbering for forever. Uh, So the next poll was me asking y'all, when you wake up, do you feel anxious, calm, dazed and confused or energetic? One person said they feel energetic. And I think this is a lot about the way that we are living our lives and a lot about the way that we need to not live our lives. Um, I was about to stop myself from going on a mini tangent, but y'all want a 35-minute episode, so here we go. That is so negative. We are meant to wake up refreshed and energized and ready for the day. And there's so many aspects to this. But I think at its core, it's that we don't prioritize ourselves. Sans like medical reasons, of course. But if you prioritize you, as a human, not your productivity at work, not your family responsibilities or the things you think you should do or feel obligated to do, but just you as a person, you should be waking up energized. I wake up really energized when I do what I know works for me, which is getting seven to nine hours of sleep, naturally waking up with no alarm, getting out of bed as soon as I wake up, 
But when I stay in bed, I tend to go back to sleep for literally another like hour on and off. Or when I use an alarm, I always wake up feeling anxious. I got a Fitbit for my birthday, actually, which is really nice because it has its own alarm that's just like vibrating on your wrist. And I've only used it once, but I'm going to try to do that more and I'll let y'all know how it goes. But I really encourage y'all to figure out what works best for you and start prioritizing yourself. Go to therapy, clean your room, get an air purifier. I just got one and it's life changing. But my point is do the things that make you feel great so that when you wake up, you can feel energized. Like today I have the day off, praise God. And I didn't set an alarm. I fell asleep around midnight. I woke up around like 930 and I just woke up feeling refreshed. I woke up, got out of bed, and now I'm here recording this podcast. And I think there's It just goes to show that when you prioritize yourself and when you find what works for you and when you sincerely get a good night's rest, your day is just set for a much better tone and for a more successful tone. Now on a completely different vibe, I love love and relationships and all of that, as you know. And so I asked y'all, do you prefer to date older, younger, the same age, and 26 people said older, 15 people said same age, and zero people said younger. At first, I thought, how do zero people prefer younger when so many people prefer to date older and so many people date younger? Like, you can't have one without the other. But I realized that one, My demographic of folks on Instagram are mainly people in their 20s to 30s and or family members. So not many of y'all are dating younger to begin with. And two, just because you do date younger doesn't mean that's your preference. So it could just be what happens. So I'm not losing sleep over that. But I do think it's interesting that so many people have a preference for dating older and The reason that I often hear is maturity. Everyone wants to date someone who is mature, financially stable, emotionally available, et cetera, et cetera. But if y'all all want to date older for the same reasons and you're looking for the same things, then just date each other. I think we romanticize this idea that age equals maturity, and that is simply false. It's not true. There are so many mature people who are young and so many older people who are immature. Now, when we talk about the patterns of who y'all date, 26 people said they tend to date older, three people said they've tended to date younger, and 12 people said they've tended to date around the same age. Almost all the women who voted in the poll said older or same age, and I'm so unsurprised by that because one, it follows my personal trend. Two, women mature faster than men, but also women are conditioned to take relationships more seriously at a young age. Women are told that being in a partnership increases their value. It makes them more desirable, which is really ironic, Um, both explicitly and indirectly, right? Society communicates that as a woman, one of your main goals should be to be in a partnership and make a man commit to you or get a man to commit to you, which to be clear, I wholeheartedly disagree with and I hate that language, but in my experience in the US, this is the messaging that I have seen and received as a woman. Whereas I've seen men are told 
boys will be boys and often explicitly told not to settle down young because they need to experience life and different women and they need to test drive different women out and, you know, before you buy one, take it out. And I just think it's disgusting and it's an objectification of women, but that truly is a topic for another day. But I don't mean this as a way of, like, putting men down. I'm not doing anything to say that, like, women are superior or men are inferior. I'm just noting that from my perspective, society has conditioned women to seek out committed romantic relationships because it increases their value as a woman, whereas men are told not to commit young because their value increases when they've had a lot of romantic experience with multiple partners and the romanticization of, is that even a word? The romanticization it is now, of the promiscuous guy who stays loyal for that one girl, whereas girls are praised for staying loyal to that one guy, even when he's promiscuous. Like the messaging as to what is valued in society when it comes to relations differs for these two genders. And therefore you have younger women looking to date older men because they're in that season of like, all right, I've lived my promiscuous life. Now it's time to settle down. And then you have younger men looking to date and gain experience from older women, right? Oh, I got with a cougar. I got with this, that, and the third. It's just a mess. Relationships are fun and not every partnership has to have the intent of marriage. And I fully believe that the experience of dating should be fun. It will always involve heartbreak and tears and disappointment. Yes, but I think removing the pressure of, I wonder if I'm going to marry you and just enjoying the person for who they are in that moment and enjoying each other's company while you can makes life and dating much more interesting. This is a complete tangent, but I think there's so much value in just allowing someone to be who they are and experiencing them for where they are at. And I think understanding where someone is at and allowing that to shape your expectations versus your kind of arbitrary desires and then trying to put expectations on this completely different human that you happen to be interacting with will save you a lot of pain, but also will allow you an abundance of joy and memories. And I think there's a lot of pressure to define things and to have clarity. And I understand that. I fully understand setting boundaries and I fully understand wanting clarity. But I just think that this world is so much bigger than us and what we perceive and what we acknowledge. And so clarity today and clarity tomorrow can look very different. And they're both clarity but it's arbitrary. It's contextual. And I guess that's my whole point is if you allow people to be whatever authentically and organically happens without the pressure of expectations, without the pressure of labels of we're friends, we're friends with benefits, we're flirty friends, we're together when we're together, we're not when we're not, we're in a romantic partnership, open relationship, closed relationship, monogamy. Like there's so many labels and uh, Shannon Boudram, Sham Booty, love her page. She's a certified sexologist, sexologist uh, from Canada, but she lives in LA. Um, 
I guess I just gave her like a random bio, but whatever. She's great and I love all of her content and she has a really beautiful and refreshing mindset when it comes to love and relationships in my personal opinion. Um, And she was someone who said that, right, when I started dating for the joy of experiencing new people and seeing what relationship organically evolves within us or develops within us um, versus going in with an expectation of like, I'm looking for a man. I want a man to do this, this and that. You get more organic relationships. You get more authentic versions of people because they don't feel pressure to be confined into, you know, your expectations of them. And ultimately, I think it just allows for a freedom. And I think people, at least myself, I hate feeling restricted, like I said before, um, physically, but also emotionally, right? Like I need to be free to be my own person. And when you're engaging with someone who allows you to just be who you are authentically and says like, who you are is enough, right? And you go in with like, I just want to see who you are. Let's just see where this goes organically. I think that's really affirming because it tells someone that like, without this expectation of, I need you to fill this role in my life, it allows someone the opportunity to naturally fill the role that they feel best suited for. And I'm going completely off script here. So maybe I'll do the rest of the Instagram polls later. But I also was really thinking about this idea and it was in my Jordan Year Gems operating from a place of abundance versus lack. And I think, and for myself included, right? And I know that I'm so young and I'm only 23 and blah, blah, blah. And also, this is my experience, is that for so long I was like ugly duckling syndrome, right? And I was trying to like overcompensate and was operating from a place of lack because I felt like all my friends were prettier than me. All the people around me didn't want me like romantically. I just didn't feel chosen. And so I was on apps or just seeking out even friendship sincerely from a place of lack, from a place of like, there's so many vacancies in my life and I want someone to fill them. But I think you have to shift or I have found it beneficial to shift to to operating from a place of abundance. And I think it really is the shift of like, I'm not looking for what people can provide me so much as I'm looking to provide others with all that I have, right? Viewing myself as an abundant resource, viewing myself as an abundant person of joy and laughter and memories and connection and viewing this world as abundant. It's no longer, oh, there's these vacancies in my life and I'm looking to fill them, but I have so much to offer and I would love to be in community with you and in connection with you. And when you come from that place, I think there is just naturally a more organic energy like energy exchange. And again, Jordan, your gems, right? There is nothing more magnetic than someone being authentically themselves. And I think when you operate from a place of lack, you're not authentically yourself because the truth is we are all abundant resources. We all have an infinite amount of joy and love and laughter and memories that we can make and that we can offer people. And yes, we need rest and we need to recharge, right? And people do that differently. But ultimately, like you're not lacking 
anything, even if there are certain roles in your life that aren't filled right now. It's not about a place of like, oh, well, I'm waiting for someone to fill them. It's about saying, I'm going to continue to show up into this world as abundantly and authentically as I can. And because there's such a wealth of people around me and in this world, these will get filled when they need to get filled. But when your focus is on the abundance and you're not operating from a place of lack, I think everything that gravitates towards you is more pure, more genuine, more authentic. And I think it just leads for better interactions all around. That was completely off plan. That actually is the most tangential part of this episode. Um, but let me know how y'all feel about operating from a place of like abundance versus lack. Cause I think it's really, really interesting. And I will go back to what I actually planned. Um, and maybe this is a nice little segue, right? So the next thing that I had asked y'all about was, have you ever had success on dating apps? And I define success as finding what you're looking for. And I actually don't even know if I agree with that anymore because I think you can not find what you're looking for, but find something that was more joyous or that was even better than you planned Um, or wasn't what you were looking for, but was what you needed. It made you feel good. And I think that also is success. But for the purposes of the poll, I said success is finding what you were looking for. And 17 of y'all said, yes, dating apps have been successful for you. While 28 of y'all said no. I don't love dating apps because it it just feels inorganic. It's very superficial and you're seeing photos and you're seeing responses, but I think there's something about an aura of a person and like the air and the way that they carry themselves and the way that they walk into a room and command a room and you don't get that. You can assume it, but I think the most beautiful people in my life have been the people that are nuanced, right? We're all nuanced, but I think the people that are less obviously nuanced um, and the way that they command a room is so unique to them and you can't describe it as anything other than when that person walks into a room. And you'll never get that off of a dating app. You'll never be able to tell that by someone's profile, but... I'm just clearly on tangents today. So yeah, I don't love dating apps because I just want to get the full experience of a person, but I've had success on dating apps um, and I encourage anyone who is interested to try them out because your experience is your own. What you're looking for is just for you and you'll never know until you try. If you've never been on a dating app, you don't know what it'll be like for you. I am actually back on Bumble right now, but I am on Bumble Friends, which is new because I've never used that before. And so it's exciting. Um, As I said a couple episodes ago, right, I am setting down roots in a place that I've never truly lived and I've never established community before. So I'm using the app to hopefully meet some friends in the area. And I actually have a friend date on Sunday and we're going to brunch and I'm super excited. But yeah, um, I think dating apps are an experience because catfishing is a thing. People don't always look like how they look online. Hat fishing is a thing. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out into the universe. Hat fishing is a thing. Um, and 
you know, people will use you and that's not unique to dating apps whatsoever. But I think people have different mentalities of what it means to be on a dating app. And so people can use dating apps to prey on what they perceive people on dating apps are looking for or are on. And I know that those are both negative. So let me just say that I know that those are both negative. So let me also just say that I've gone on some really fun dates um, from different apps and I have no regrets because all the people I've interacted with made memories with me and I learned lessons. And I think apps are also a great way to casually date, especially during a panorama Um, because you can have multiple FaceTime dates and conversations and whatever way you're engaging with these people in a short period of time and you can really sort out like what you do or don't want. And I think that is a privilege. I also think multi-dating in general is a really fun practice. It can be exhausting um, and it's not for everyone and it's okay if it's not for you. But I think apps is a a generally safe way to test out the waters of casually dating because you're literally just swiping and having a couple of conversations. And if it gets to a point where you want to FaceTime someone, then like you're, you naturally get to see who am I connecting with based off of just general like energetic magnetism as opposed to instant physical attraction and sexual chemistry. Although you obviously can feel those things uh, virtually. I think it's much less common to be swayed by those things in a virtual setting than actual like I enjoy your company. The next question is a little bit deeper, actually, and maybe I'll end with this. So I will end y'all at around 35 minutes, Um, but it's a little bit deeper. I asked if you ever felt intuitively connected to someone. You can know or feel their emotions without speaking to them. You feel their energy even if they're not around. And honestly sincerely to my surprise, 40 of y'all said yes. And I don't even know if I articulated it in the best way, but based on how I articulated it, 40 of y'all said yes. And only four people said no. So maybe we need to have an episode where I bring some of y'all on to discuss because this is like shocking to me. Um, Y'all know my emotional ass is all about connections and relationships, so it's probably unsurprising to a lot of folks. But there are clear moments where I can see someone's name or photo on my screen and just feel something off with them or excitement or whatever they're feeling. That that experience is so beautiful um, and can be very jarring because it is not something that you can force. And I'll get into that in a second. But when I think about this, um, there's one person in particular that I am most attuned to and we can be worlds apart. We cannot speak for years and it doesn't matter. I just, I can feel their spirit and I feel something in my spirit about them. If something is off, if they need support, if they need laughter, I just, I feel something. And I don't know how to explain that, but it's just in me. Um, And I've never been wrong with this person. And I think that goes to show a lot of things, honestly, but the main things that I want to draw are that one, 
the, the main things that I want to draw out. Wow. Remember how I said no edits? So bear with me. Uh, but one, you cannot pick who you're intuitively linked to. You can train intuition, yes, but I don't think you can force an innate energetic bond. Two, your intuition never lies to you. You may be able to like energetically perceive something in someone that they've yet to acknowledge in themselves. So even if they don't admit it, I don't think it's your intuition lying to you and that you shouldn't doubt your own intuition. And three, what is meant to be will be. There are forces so greater than us and the things that we think we can control. And the reality is that the bus coming late or you waking up 10 minutes earlier can completely shift the chain of reaction events in your day. And in the day of the bus driver, your pet, your friend that you were supposed to meet up with for lunch, and just so many others because we're all interconnected and interwoven and we truly have no control over our lives in the way that like we've convinced ourselves we do. We can control our actions. Yeah, but our emotions, our train of thought, our intuition, our gut feelings, we can't control. We can manage them and we can decide to act accordingly. We can control our actions, but we cannot control all of those other things. And so I just think it's a really, really interesting perspective um, and a really interesting finding, I guess, that so many of y'all can relate to this experience of being like energetically bonded with someone. I also think about, you know, my faith and how I have had times, especially in church where like I, there was at a, sorry. Okay. Very random, like story time, but long story short, I was at a Christian conference for students, right? This was my freshman year of college and we were all like praising and worshiping in the main chapel. And it was this one guy, never seen him before, um, and he was from a different school, and he like came into the aisle to praise, right, because we were all moving around and whatnot, and I just went up to him, and I was like, I feel it so heavy on my heart that whatever you're going through... God sees you and like, you're not alone. And I felt that. And I was a vessel in that moment for God to communicate. And he broke down crying and he was like, I really needed to hear that. And he opened up to me about struggling with his sexuality and not knowing how to come out and not knowing if that made him a bad Christian or things of that nature. Um, and then fast forward later in that year, I saw him again at a random Halloween party. Um, and I, again, we don't go to the same school. And so I was at his school. I didn't hit him up or anything like that, but I just randomly ran into him at a Halloween party. And so it was one of the, and I checked in on him, of course, hi, how are you? All of those things. Um, but I think it just goes to show like there are moments where you can feel something right for me. I know that I got a message from God and I was meant to be a vessel for this person. Um, but energy, intuition, all of those things, whatever you consider your source to be there is just so much greater than us and so much that we cannot explain. I cannot explain why I was the person to feel it on my heart to go address this person, you know, out of a room of like, what a hundred, maybe not a hundred, maybe like 70, 70 students, um, 
you know, why me? We didn't have anything in common. We didn't go to the same school. It's not like I was someone that could constantly be there for her. Like none of those things mattered, right? It was out of my control. And it was just something that I felt so strongly about and it ended up being right. And I think that again goes to show like there's so much out of our control. There's so much that we don't understand, that we don't perceive, that we don't acknowledge. And it's okay to just kind of live life. (laughs) We're literally on a floating rock and all right, I'm going to stop before people like hate me. Um, But yeah. That is that. I have a couple more. You know, I have like two more. So we're just going to go on and it'll be like a 50 minute episode and it'll be fine. Um, This is a little bit of a throwback, but I asked y'all, would you date a virgin? And 114, 114 of y'all said, of course. And 22 people said, nah, not for me. Of note... I would just like y'all to notice how my engagement went from a hundred plus people answering my polls to like 45 to 60 people. I'm just saying Instagram loves to limit my reach and my engagement. So when I say I appreciate every like share repost tag, I truly mean it. I sincerely mean it friends, but Back to the topic. I just needed to note that because that is ridiculous. But moving on. Um, I rock with this. I don't think sexual experience should be a deal breaker on either end of the spectrum. Virgin or sleeping with 100 plus people. So long as everything was safe, right? I was going to say consensual, but if it's not consensual, it's not sex. It's rape. So, yeah. Um, As long as everything was safe... And you're on top of your sexual health. I don't think either end of the spectrum should be a deal breaker, especially for just dating. And I also think like in this realm, what is a deal breaker for me? And this isn't about virginity. This is the opposite. What is a deal breaker for me is someone who keeps a list of all the people that they've been sexual with. It's just so icky to me, even if it doesn't come from a place of malintent. And honestly, I think that's at its core is that I can't imagine a place where it doesn't come from malintent because it's like a trophy list, right? And it's just so objectifying. And even if you do value sex, because I know a lot of people will be like, oh, if you sleep with that many people, you don't value sex. I don't think that's true. They could value it differently than you do, and that's fine, but I don't think you can automatically assume that they don't value it. Um, So even if you do value sex and intimacy in your own way, if you have a list, in my mind, it automatically communicates that you value the act of sex more than the person you're having sex with, and that just doesn't sit right to me. Also, like, tangent to the tangent... Why does it matter? Why has it become commonplace to ask people how many people they've slept with? I feel like it really shouldn't matter. And I feel like it's a situation of what you don't know can't hurt you. Because I know so many situations where one partner will ask and the other will answer. And most people lie anyways, honestly. But the partner will answer. And now the person who asked is upset or hurt or judgmental. And In my experience, from what I've seen, from what's in TVs and friend stories and movies, no good comes from it, right? It just feels like the people that question do so because they're nosy, 
and me too, but it truly is none of your business and you're probably not getting an honest answer. That's just my opinion. Maybe one day I'll have a different one, but at this moment in time, I think it serves no value. It is an invasive, irrelevant question. And I just, I don't like the fact that people would keep list or keep count or keep track. And so it's just a weird situation for everyone involved, in my opinion. Uh, With that, I am getting tired of talking, which is like a shocker, I know. (laughs) But for real, it was lovely diving into these polls with y'all. I hope that you enjoyed it and following my mind and all of the tangents. Um, Remember that the submission link is in the description and always on my website. And it's there for you to use if you have any questions, comments, topics you want me to cover, situations you want advice on. I love, love, love giving advice and learning about what's going on in your lives. So please submit situations that you want advice or reactions on um, or maybe people that you want me to shout out. I've never done that before, but I think it could be cute for like birthday shout outs or things like that. So if I am shouting out someone you suggested, because I'm not going to promise that I would do all of them. But if I do do shout outs and I'm shouting out someone that you, you know, asked me to do so, I'll let you know when that episode goes live so that you can tell them to listen. Uh, I'm also shifting away from weekly focuses because it seems like that's not providing a lot of value for y'all. But the monthly groups are becoming a great way to connect with you all and for you all to connect with each other. So I am thinking about an April focus group. So keep an eye out for that. Please, as always, engage with me and my content in whatever way feels authentic for you. I hope you all have a lovely, lovely weekend. Thank you for bearing with my stream of conscience as always. Uh, I hope that not editing doesn't hurt your ears. And without further ado, Love and light, beautiful people.